said, I think the Lord led me um, to this text. Uh, I actually wasn't really reading through the Psalms um, uh, for recently, but Monday morning I got up and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some Psalms. And I went to Psalm 102, and I found it really interesting. Now, the interesting thing about Psalm 102 is that it's a prayer. Psalms can be prayers, they can be songs, they can be poems, but this is a, this is a prayer. And the prayer begins out with, begins with a complaint. Uh, the, the, the guy is complaining who wrote the psalm, and we're not really sure what he's complaining about. He may be physically sick, he may be spiritually sick, he may be frustrated. We're not really sure, and commentators aren't really sure, um, which I think is kind of a nice thing for us, because I think we are probably all frustrated by different things right now. We're probably all stressed out by different things going on in our life. It could be an illness. It could be that your uh, kids are now home indefinitely, possibly. It could be a, a bunch of different things. You could be spiritually sick. You could just be sick of hearing about this virus. But I think this is a perfect text for us this morning, and I, I hope you'll see why. I think we'll learn some things about our own prayer and our own life and how we should approach uh, what we're going through right now as we jump into this. And so this is a man, he's, he's complaining, he's frustrated, he's in distress. Let's read verse 1 here. This is how he starts it off. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. He's just beginning this prayer. He's just letting God have it. He's letting it go. He's talking about how he's frustrated. He's talking about his troubles. He's talking about his stressors. And I'm going to show you what they are here in this first section. Here He continues in verse 3. He says, For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass, and has withered, and I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. Now this is a man who is deeply discouraged right now as he writes this. And he gives us two things that he's discouraged by that we can kind of maybe assume he says, my bones burn like a furnace. Now that sounds to me like he is sick. And so this is a very bit real possibility that this, this man is not feeling good, he's not well, he's very ill, and he's struggling greatly. But then you have verse 4, and it says, my heart is struck down. This is also a man who's maybe suffering depression. Uh, he is, does not have a lot of hope in his life as he starts this prayer. And so there's this expression of deep illness, uh, of deep depression going on in him, but he continues in verses 6 and 8 here through 8, he says um, for I am like a desert owl, is that not there? Okay, here we go, I, I am like a desert owl in the, of the wilderness an owl, an owl of the waste places I lie awake I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop so what he says is he's alone it's kind of interesting for us, isn't it? He's alone. Now, if he's physically sick, there's probably a reason he's alone. Uh, people in the ancient world, they, they didn't know like, what a virus was. They didn't know why people necessarily always became sick. But people did know not to be around other sick people. And so when people would get exceptionally ill or um, when they're health would fail, a lot of times they would be abandoned by other people, or they would have to self-isolate themselves so that they wouldn't expose their family. And so what we see here is somebody who is no longer uh, around other people, and he feels alone, and he uh, feels abandoned, he feels isolated, 
And that's where he's at. He continues here in verses 9 and 10. He says, For, for I, I eat ashes like a bird, and mingle tears with my drink, because of your indignation and anger. For you have taken me up and thrown me down. This is him saying, God, like, did you, are you mad at me? Right? Have you done this from me? He, he's worried about God's anger here. He, he's, worried, he's worried about this being caused by the Lord trying to get at him for some reason. Verse 11. It says, My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like the grass. Very simply, he's, he's just struggling with his own mortality. In other words, he says, my days are like an evening shadow. My days are short, right? Life is short. He's realizing here, as he thinks about this illness, as he is kind of summed down in this depression, as he's lonely here, he's like, life, life is, 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 it's like a vapor. It goes quickly. I'm not going to live forever. So these are problems that he is having. These are real problems. These are real stressors. And what I, I want you to see, and the reason that we're in this psalm right now, is I want you to see how this man is, man is handling them. He doesn't suppress it. He doesn't act like nothing is going on. He doesn't act like anything is wrong. He's not ignoring them. He's not saying that this, this is not a big deal. The truth is, is that discouragement, loneliness, uh, trying to figure out your relationship with God, your own, own mortality, all of those things, they, they need to be dealt with. And if you don't, it can become kind of toxic in your life. I've, I've listened to a, a lot of people's distress over the past week and some of their complaints. Right? I've heard some of you say, I, I already feel alone. I've heard some of you say, I'm already in financial trouble. I, I'm already sick. I'm, I'm at risk, right? I, I can't, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do here if this thing spreads. I was, all, we're all, I was already worried about my mom, about my dad, about my brother, my sister. And now I can't go and visit them in the nursing home. I can't go to the hospital. Some of you are going, my kids are home for how long? Like, you don't know. Monday or Tuesday, I met um, uh, with um, some of our staff and and the night before, Monday, I just talked to my wife, and she had talked to me, and she said, you know, Josh, that was a long day. Day one of homeschooling, right? And then I talked to two other ladies on Tuesday, you know, just basically just had kind of 24 hours to figure this thing out. And they said, Monday was a long day. For some people, I think, <laughs> like I even heard these days were good days are just long, right? I think we're just scared of being kind of maybe stuck in Groundhog Day. Some of us are stressed out or distressed because we're hearing about other people's complaints. The truth is, if you're a leader of any kind, right, you're, you're complaining about other people complaining. And you're going to be stressed out and you're going to take on uh, people's complaints and people's complaints are just going to be magnified in your mind and you are struggling with that. Some of you are upset because of March Madness being canceled. UD was going to go all the way. Walmart is out of cheese. Our pets' heads are falling off. Right? I had to get a dumb and dumber quote in there. But these complaints, they're real. They are. Uh, these are real complaints. And if we're not careful, what happens 
is we will do some really crazy things. I, like, we'll do some things that we wish we wouldn't have. Emily went to Walmart the other night, she was talking to uh, one of the ladies who worked there uh, that she's become friends with, and uh, she was telling me the night that they basically told everybody, you're not supposed to go out, you're not supposed to do anything, uh, this lady was telling Emily, Wal Walmart is loaded. I started to call Walmart Corona Central. Right? You used to, uh, okay, I won't go to that joke. But so she's at Walmart. She's talking. She's she's talking to one of the ladies who worked there. She said, "Emily, this place was packed. People were fighting." She said she witnessed fist fights. But she said she then was given the task of rationing paper towels. And so she said she was giving out paper towels to people as they came because the, the, the paper products were just being ravaged. And she said as she was rationing these paper towels and giving them out to people, a lady came to her irate that she couldn't have more paper towels and began, began to cough in her face. Like that's, that's nuts, right? It's crazy. And people react in crazy ways if they don't deal with their stress properly. If they don't have a way or someone to go to who will help them relieve what is going on inside of them. And so the reason we are in this psalm here is I want you to see where this writer of the psalm goes first with his stressors. Where he goes first with his complaints. And this is just my encouragement for each one of you every day. And every night and every moment that you begin to be stressed out or feel like you are complaining is that you simply do this, that you go to God first. Oh Lord, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. It, it is okay to complain to God. It is okay to let God know what is going on inside of you. It is okay to let God know that you are not doing okay, that you are struggling. And I want you to go to God first. I want you to go to God before you go to your spouse. I want you to go to God before you go uh, to your grown children. We're not going to go to our younger children with these sorts of struggles. I want you to go to God first, even before you come to me. I want you to go to God first. Right? When you get up in the morning, we are going to go to God first with our stressors, with our struggles, with our troubles. Take the problem of God first. And for goodness sakes, do not go to the news first. There's time to read the news, and you should know what is going on. Just go to God first. And here's why. If we do this correctly, and if you become somebody who prays like this man prays, here's what will happen gradually if you do this. The complainer, right, the person who is stressed out, will move from a place of distress to trust. This is a movement in this psalm that I want you to see here in verse 6. Or verse 12, excuse me, that he's going to move from a place of distress to trust. And here it is in verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. Here he is praying and he remembers God. And this God that he is praying to, because he's enthroned forever, right, is going to begin to calm him. He said, God, he basically is saying, God, I'm temporary. That's what he just got done saying in verses 1 through 11. But God, you are forever. You live. Life is short, but you are forever. In other words, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. 
Life is worth the living just because he lives. Now, some of you know that song, and you just need to be singing that song for the rest of the day. Sing that chorus for the rest of the day. If you don't know the song, when we get done here, Alexa, some of your Alexas are going to turn on right now. Alexa, play because he lives. All right? Hey, there's, by the way, too, there's a remix by David Crowder. If, if, if the Gaithers are not your thing, Alexa, play the remix, Because He Lives, by David Crowder. Because He Lives, You Can Face Tomorrow. You're going to be singing this all day today. Verses 12, or 14 through 16 here. Let's get there. For your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the Lord, will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear you. And will fear your glory, for the Lord built up Zion. He appears in his glory. So what I love about this verse here is this guy reminds us and is reminding himself that God is up to things that we cannot see. You get that? So when he says, for the Lord built up Zion here, Zion is basically, think of them like the people of God. Think of them as the church. And what this man remembers is that God is at work in his people and he's at work in his church even when things aren't going your way. Even when you can't see a way that it's going to happen, God is going to do something great here. So he's building his church at this time is what we're told. And he says, here's what's going to happen. Nations will fear the name of the Lord. So he's saying that there's his people, when we think about Jerusalem here in Zion, he says, nations, those who are surrounding us, those who are surrounding believers will become believers. They will, they will see what the Lord is doing in the church, and they will come to fear the Lord, and they will see God's glory. Now, I have no idea why any of this is happening. Right? I'm, I'm not big on, on telling people why bad things are happening or why we need to do things that make us uh, sick or uncomfortable or maybe even scared. I mean, it's against all of my instincts, even, to tell you not to come to church, to tell you not to meet. You have heard me for years Say, come to church, invite people to church, invite people to be a part of what we're doing. And right now, what I'm asking for you to do is actually, obviously, to stay home, but to share digitally. Because my prayer, my prayer is that this takes place right now. My prayer is that the church grows without ever meeting together. Now, I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would say that. But there, the, the truth is this, is that the church isn't a building, right? You are the church, right? The church are the people who come together to worship God. And I know we're together on, on live stream right now on the internet, but you are the church. And the church's job is always to share about the living God. Always, it's always to bring glory to God. And we can still do that. Right now, as we are together. So just, just keep that up. That's my prayer. Verse 17 is this. He says, says this about God. And this is great. As he regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. He starts out this prayer by complaining. He then gets to God and he's worshiping God. He's reminding himself about God. And he's still down, obviously. He still admits that, man, I'm desperate, I'm destitute. Um, and yet, God, you listen. When he says he regards this prayer, that's, that's basically what he's saying, is that, God, I started out complaining, but you are great, you are on your throne, and you are listening to me. I, I think it's crazy that God listens to complainers, because 
I struggle to, right? I'm so glad that God listens sometimes to things that, you know, I, I, I struggle to hear. I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm, I'm an optimist. Like, and, and so, like, and I believe that people can do more than what they set their minds to. I believe that God is big, and so he can do great things. So a lot of times, like, complaining to me is just like nails on a chalkboard. But God even listens to that. But here's the thing, it's, it's, your complaining is, 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 is most beneficial when you move on from it. So you're going to get it out, but then you have to get to a place, right, where you quit talking about yourself and you start thinking about God and what God is going to do. Right? That's, that's what makes what this man is doing so effective. This is how he goes from a place of distress, uh, distress complaining to a place of trust. And so, he starts complaining, then he begins to start to move to a place of trust. And then there's a third movement here, beginning in verse 18, that I want us to see in the song. And here it is, it says, let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Now, I've been told that we are going to have a baby boom nine months from now, that are going to be called the Coronials. All right, this is this will be really interesting looking back because we are told that we're going to record this. People are going to remember this. I mean, we still sometimes talk about Y2K. We obviously talk uh, about 9/11. We are going to talk about quarantining ourselves for the coronavirus, and we are expecting more babies to be born. And your children someday are going to ask you what it was like during the coronavirus scare. And you're going to tell them, right? You're going, to re you're going to record it in their minds. It's going to be written down in the history books. And then they're going to ask you what you did. And you're not going to tell them. Because they're not really going to want to know. All right. It's hard to tell a joke without anybody here. But, <laughs> this, God has moved in the past. Right? God is going to move now. And we're going to record it. For generations to come. He continues on this line here in verses 19 through 21. He says that he looked down from his holy height. He's talking about God here. From heaven the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners. To set free those who were doomed to die. That they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord. And in Jerusalem his praise. And so what we see is that he continues to say there are going to be generations to come here that are going to hear and trust God. We're, I was reminded last week, I reminded you briefly last week, this is not the first time the church has dealt with pandemics. In fact, the, the church grew through times like this during the Roman Empire. If you know your history at all, you know that Christians were persecuted for roughly about three, 300 years or so in the Roman Empire pretty heavily. Well, what changed that was actually... Pandemics and epidemics. Because when everybody fleed the city, when everybody fleed Rome, Christians stayed to take care of those people who were sick. And yes, a lot of Christians died. Right? And they knew they would. Right? Jesus taught that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But they believed that God was with them. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Right? They trusted him both in life and in death. And so what happened after these plagues is that people saw how the Christians reacted to a time of trouble, how the Christians reacted to a great time 
of distress. And so what happened to the empire is it began to change. It began, began to change with a bunch of people who really didn't care if you put Christians on crosses, if you threw them in the Colosseum, to anything like that, to be in an empire that actually wanted to take on uh, Christianity as its official religion. So everything changed. They went from being outcasts in the culture to kind of shaping culture to a certain extent. And the truth is, if we, if we react right, to this pandemic in the right way, right, the, the church can come out on the other end in a much better place than where we started. Now, I'm not telling people who are not a part of the medical field or whose, whose jobs aren't, you don't absolutely necessarily have, have to be there, you don't have to get out. What I'm telling you, right, if, if, if you need to stay home, if you should stay home, then you should, you should stay home to protect your neighbors. But what I am telling everybody is that this is a great time for the church to shine. And it may just be a time where we make sacrifices. We make crazy financial sacrifices. Like we, we actually give during a time where everybody is probably saving. And, you know, we're going to help people who are getting laid off. We're going to make sure that people are getting food, that need food. We're going to do our best to make sure we're helping without hurting. Because I believe, right, I believe that the name of Zion will be praised. And here's this next thing in verse uh, 22. Here, we need to go 22. you go 22, Doug? Are you? We're, so, verse 22. This is maybe my favorite verse here that uh, we see. And I think this might be yours too. It says, When the peoples gather together and the kingdoms to worship the Lord. What I love about this verse, this is a verse that we need to hear right now, is, is, is this. It's this next slide Doug already went to, so we're going to move there. It's our isolation will become celebration. We remember that this man started out in isolation and now he's looking forward and he's saying there's going to come a time where we are going to celebrate. I'm not always going to be like this. And so he looked at his suffering and said it's not going to last forever. But as we move forward, we're going to get to this point where we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate again. That people are going to celebrate what is going on in the world and what God is up to. It's important for us to remember that what we're going through right now is temporary. This too shall pass. And we as a church, we are going to come together and we are going to worship together and we are going to expect others to join us and we're going to love that. Moving on to kind of the fourth, fourth movement here is this. He says, he has broken my strength in mid-course and he has shortened my days. Oh my God, I say take me not away from the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations. Basically what he says here is when he says, take me not away in the midst of my days. He just says, Lord, let me live to see it. Let me live to see the celebration. Let me get through this. That is his prayer. And for some of you, right, you may not be just asking the Lord. You may not be fearful of the virus actually taking in your life. But right, you're just kind of at your rope's end already. Right? It's only been a week. And, Lord, just let me get through this. Let, let me not hurt my children, right? Let me not hurt my spouse. Let, let me just trust in you during this time. Let me get through this. Let me see that place where I can get to a place of celebration and out of this isolation. And then here's how we're going to end this morning. And here's how I, I just want you to end your prayers with, your thoughts with. We're going to end with good news. 
we're going to end with gospel truth. There's a lot of bad news in the world. There's a lot of bad things to think about and to focus on, but we have good news. This man who's praying, that's, this is how he ends. Verses 25 and 26 here, he says, Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Everything wears out. We know this already. It doesn't take a pandemic to teach us that. Everything grows old. We knew that already. It does not take a pandemic to teach us this. Everyone gets sick. We knew that already. It doesn't need to take a pandemic to teach us this. Yeah, we need to remember that there is a creator, there is a recreator, and there is a redeemer in the midst of all this. And that is what we need to remember. That is what we need to be ultimately reminded of. In verses 27 and 28 it says, But you are the same. Hold on to that. And your ears have no, your ears have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall, shall be established before you. Now we're going to get to Jesus here. I want everybody to see what Hebrews says about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 10 and 12. Here's what it says. You, O Lord, laid the foundation in the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Have you heard that somewhere before? Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years have no end. What we are told here by the writer of Hebrews is Christ was there at the beginning. He laid the foundations of the earth. And this Christ who was there at the beginning, the Son of God, He died because He loved the world. And He, what? He will have no end. His years have no end. Because He lives, we live. Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus in this way one more time. Hebrews 13, verse 8. And here's what he says. Jesus Christ is the same. When is He the same? He was the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ was there when the world was created. He was present when you were created. He was active in your life yesterday and the day before and the day before. He was with you when you were healthy. He was with you when your child was born. He was with you when you got that job. And he was with you when the stock market was good. He was with you yesterday. Right? Uh, I, I sent out notes. I'm not sure if everybody got them, but that's what you need to remember. Is that Jesus Christ was with you yesterday. And not only that, Jesus Christ is with you today. He's with you today. He's at work in your life right now. You are in Christ today. Christ is in you today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. He's with you today. And here's even better news. He will be with you forever. He will be with you forever. He lives. 
How do we know he lives? Well, he rose from the dead. How do we know he lives and is reigning in heaven forever? Ask me how he knows, how I know he lives. I know he lives because he lives within my heart. Psalm 102, 28 says this, has you. Jesus Christ has you. You possess it. He possesses you. And each and every day, you need to end with good news. You need to begin with good news. You need to begin with God. You need to end with God. That can change your entire day. That can change how you see yourself, your family, the world, the situation. Some of you may be listening, right? And you say, how can we end good news? All we see is bad news. Well, you've got to possess it. You've got to possess good news. Jesus Christ is good news. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God sent His Son to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in our place. He showed us that God loves us beyond anything that we can imagine. But the good news goes beyond that because it's more than Christ just sacrificing himself on the cross. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. Jesus Christ spent three days in the grave. And the grave could not hold him. He then rose from the dead. And he promises life to anybody who believes in him. Now that is good news. And you can possess that good news. But to possess that good news, the good news also has to possess you. And so here's my challenge for you this morning. If you have never received Jesus Christ into your life and to your heart, that you would use this opportunity to do that. Don't let this moment go to waste. I don't believe, or I don't know what God is ultimately up to, but one thing that I do know for sure is that the Lord wants Christ in everyone's life. And so one thing for sure I can tell you about this moment is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that this is an opportunity for you to grow in faith. And if you are not somebody who trusts in Christ, this is an opportunity for you to believe for the first time. That is ultimately what God wants for all of us. I'm going to ask that all of you pray with us right now. Father, this morning we come to you and we give you thanks even in the midst of all of our struggles and all of our troubles and, <laughs> Father, all of our stressors, we know that you are forever. We know that you are on your throne. We know that you are watching over us. We know, Father, that you can work all things out for your good and for your glory. And so we trust in you. And yet we still admit that we have a lot of things going on right now, Father, that we are struggling with. We are deeply struggling with, Father, our, our family members who may be at risk. We ask for your protection over them. We pray, Father, that you would keep them healthy and that you would heal the sick. We pray, Father, that you would protect our young ones. We pray, Father, that you would give us the strength each and every day to be there for our children and to encourage them. Father, I pray that you help turn our fear into faith. I pray for those who are worried about their next meal. 
I ask, Father, that they would be fed. I pray for those who are worried about their finances and what this is going to do to their retirement. I ask, Father, that this would be a time where they are able to grow and trust in you. Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that although we do not understand why this is happening, we do understand it's not because you don't love us. We understand, Father, that we have a Savior, that we have a Redeemer who can take this situation and he can turn it for his good. And I ask that that takes place. I, I pray, Father, that each and every person who is listening and who is a believer in your Son, Jesus Christ, will remember that you were with us yesterday, that you are with us today, and that you will be with us forever. And I pray for those, Father, who are searching for good news, searching for hope. I ask that they would turn to your Son, Jesus, that they would receive Him as Lord and Savior, that they would believe that you rose from the dead, that you paid for their sins, that their lives could be changed, that they could be, have hope right now. I pray that you would anoint them with your Spirit. I ask that as we continue on in this week, Father, that we, we would be reminded as we wake up every day that you are with us today. You are with us today. I am thankful that you are with us today, right now. As in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.